You are listening to the Startup Playground. Show where I invite entrepreneurs, startup founders, and game changers to talk about their success stories, learn from their mistakes, and hear about their interesting experiences. Maestro, drum roll, please. And we have arrived. Hey, listener, it's me, your host, Elvis. And since this is a special episode, I wanted to start a bit different this time. First, I would like to say that this has been an amazing couple of months throughout uh, this uh, Startup Playground podcast. We have uh, had amazing founders, but that's not all. Thanks for supporting along the way and being here, listening. But the show is not over. I believe that the show is just starting. So stay tuned, not only for this episode, but for many more in future. And since this is episode number 20, I have decided to talk about generation of young adults who since early age have been exposed to the internet and technology. Therefore, they are considered as generation who are highly educated, technology savvy, innovative and creative. But, you know, there's always a negative side of everything. Understanding teens is posing a growing challenge to companies, nonprofits, and brands everywhere. So to better understand the generation Z, I have decided to host actually a Gen Z expert and a founder of Relevo, Jahanzeeb Ahmed. Thank hey, you, Elvis. Jahanzeeb. Hi, Elvis. How are you doing today? I'm actually quite fine. It's Friday, so uh, it's uh, the weekend's right around the corner. Are you waiting for Friday? Yeah, I'm to be completely honest, this week's been a bit hectic, so it'll be nice with a little weekend. Okay, I understand totally you. Tell me about entrepreneurship. What does it mean to you? You're an entrepreneur yourself. Well, entrepreneurship for, to me means uh, following your passion, waking up every morning and uh, looking forward to going to work, doing something which you love. Obviously, also solving the challenge, but I think that's very, that's very standard with, with all entrepreneurs. But doing what you love, that's the real struggle. But waking up every morning and uh, because as everyone knows when having a startup it's not because there's millions in the account in the first many years so really learning about yourself and uh, finding out your weak points getting out of your comfort zone and doing what you love every day that's what entrepreneurship at least means to me so you don't want to go back to nine to five job oh no 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 definitely do not want to go back to a nine to five job even though that's kind of what i have right now uh, but i wouldn't define it as the stereotypical nine to five job where you have to meet at nine and go at five. We meet uh, here, we say between nine and 10, and then we leave when the job is done, when the tasks for the day are done. Sometimes that's two, sometimes that's 10 at night. If it wasn't relevo, mm -hmm. what would you do else in life? I mean, when I was 16, I had the dream of uh, the standard dream, suitcase, nice suit, big corporation, junior associate, and driving around in my nice Mercedes or whatever. That was the dream at that point. And then uh, that dream actually just, I found out that wasn't me. Uh, I learned that through my job previously, that I didn't fit that profile. Uh, I come to work in the clothes I want. I like doing the things that I want, which I deem are important for the day and uh, also for the company. I mean, that's true. You mm -hmm. know, we live a free life with some rules, but you know, mm -hmm. we kind of don't live the corporate lifestyle, I would say. I agree. You know, recently I decided to implement something new and you are my number fourth that I'm doing this with called the uh, entrepreneurial rules. Yeah. You know, we all, we follow some kind of rules, unwritten, written, but, but there are some things that we follow along the way. 
And uh, you must also do something that helps you to stay in, not boxes, but, you mm-hmm. know, stay on the, on on the right the, path. On a path. Yeah. I mean, I think my f- number one first rule is trust your team. I know I'm not good at many things, but I know I'm am- amazing at a couple of things. That's why finding the right team whom I trust, because one thing is hiring the right person for the job and then micromanaging them. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in micromanaging. I believe in unlocking the potential, finding an individual and unlocking that potential, and then trusting that. That's how I go to bed at night. That's how I know that I can sleep at night and not have to worry about the 25,000 things that has to happen. So the fact that I have a team right now where I know marketing's gonna get done, branding's gonna get done, the customers are gonna have uh, what's called the get satisfied results, the website's gonna get done. That's how I sleep. So you're saying that trust is important in team? Yeah, I trust not only team, the whole company. The whole company, basically. I always want to lead the, this company, no matter how big it grows, as a startup. So having one person being responsible for one thing, another person being responsible for another thing, and the daily work involving solving challenges where anybody can come in with an idea. That's how I believe the growth of a company is. My second rule, I would say, is and it might be a bit like, okay, uh, this is weird, but uh, not following my competitors. I don't worry every day. I used to I worry about, oh, what if this competitor comes over and takes over? I don't do that anymore. I do my thing. I believe in what we're doing. I uh, think about the ways we can make the product or the service better for the customer every day. And that's what I do. Because that's where I feel I am not then following the herd, but make being the leader of the herd. Do you believe you have any competitors? Yeah, we do. Because you know what I say usually in, a, in this startup environment, mm-hmm. you know, when somebody speaks about competitors, I would say that we are not competitors. One, uh, one smart person told me that we are like brothers and sisters. We're fighting for the same cause, you know, sustainability, not, yeah. positivity, better life. It's not competing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, Nike and Adidas, they compete for shoes, but, but they make the same things and they can share the same knowledge. Agree. So I don't think that's a competing. It's it's more like. I mean, I do completely agree with one thing that the um, the trend is going towards uh, co-opting instead of competing. So you see a lot of companies competing on the on the forefront. You see Apple and Samsung competing every day with Samsung and their campaigns target directly towards Apple. But on the inside, Apple buys their screens from Samsung. So. That's How ex- much are they actually competing in that, that sense? That's exactly the yeah. same thing I'm talking. Mm-hmm. You know? Apple has uh, the Samsung screen. So. Exactly. It's not competing. It's co-opting. co-opting. <laughs> what could you tell me more about yourself as a person right now? As of this stage, I feel like um, I'm a completely different change person from what I was when I was 15, 16. I used to be a very young, typical, stereotypical teen. Didn't have his life figured out. Didn't know where he wanted to go to. I still don't have my life figured out, even though I'm a founder of Relevo. But at that point, I really thought that by this time, I would be more of an adult. But I learned throughout the years that I like keeping my, the inner child in me. I like keeping that, both at the workplace where I daily compete in arguments with my uh, partner and the others, uh, jokes, pranks, everything like that. But I also have the side of a professional side where I know that if you put me on a task, then I will get it done one way or the other. So I think that those are some things which I've learned from myself throughout the years of being in a startup, that I'm a fast learner, I'm professional when it needs to be, but I like keeping my inner child. So would you say that because you are Generation Z, Mm -hmm. do you think that's the reason why you're so active 
I would say, and and willing to achieve more goals than you know ordinary person is. I would say to. that it's a trait in gener- Generation Z to be entrepreneurial minded, but I would also say that the ecosystem has allowed us to be that. I mean, if you look at baby boomers, they just came from a world where uh, the world was in war. So they're, they're, for them, just living a normal life was the standard. That was the dream. For me, I want to leave a legacy behind. That's my personal dream. L- doing something where I feel that my life gave meaning. Not only, yeah, and you could say that, okay, I'm doing consulting. So how much, how much am I making the world better? But I have my own dreams of charities and uh, making the world better place than it was before. And I think the one thing that changed that in me, that part of me, was a day in Pakistan where I was uh, actually in our own village. And um, I was just walking down this, uh, this road that we had, very broken road. And I saw, I think it was like a 10-year-old or 6-year-old girl looking through the trash from her food. That made me understand that I'm actually living a luxury life. I have parents who support me in every way, in every manner. I have friends who support me in any way, any manner, whether it's economically or whether it's emotionally. But there's people out there that don't have this. And that's where I believe that I want to give back to the world in, in the way I can. One thing which I strongly believe in is education can solve a lot. And giving them the possibility of education is a big thing. So one thing which we want to do in our future in Relevo is open schools around the world. Become part of that charity. We're already doing it on the minimal level right now uh, where we created the website for, um, from uh, street to school. We created their website for free. Uh, because I've supported that cause, but also with our own donations, which are going to start now. That's just the start. Where the in the future, I believe that I want a lot more charitable work from art to make the the world a better place. Because let's face it, if we're going to be completely honest and completely realistic, yes, there's people and NGOs out there that are making the world a better place, but you need money to make the world a better place. That's a realistic view of it. So would you say that's your life goal to make uh, a world a better place? Personally, yeah. I believe that. Uh, I think that's my final goal. I have one, which is uh, getting the respect, the respect for myself that I made it. And I don't know in what manner that comes, not monetary, but in the, I think it will be through the um, eyes of my parents, um, where they basically see that, okay, we're proud of you. And not because they don't say it now, but it's, it's just in a different manner. And then I think my final goal is knowing that, okay, I didn't only just make money or I didn't only make a better service or company, which is just profiting, but I actually use that money to help others that are in need. That is, that I think will be my final goal. So do you need um, approval from your parents that you have succeeded something in your life? Is that what you're saying? No, but uh, the thing is that um, my parents, my dad is himself an entrepreneur. So I've grown up with watching my dad open many companies, both in Germany and Denmark, being very successful. He was one of the most successful Pakistanis. And there's this thing in my culture where you say basically that, oh, you're his son. You're, that's your son. That's the, that's the brand you have. And that's not what I want to be known by. I don't want to be known by, oh, you're his son, mm-hmm. who was this guy, this guy. I want to have my own name and my own reputation abided by that. Okay. So I think, yeah, I mean, you could say that I shouldn't focus on these things because it's in a, in a way which generation says, forget the haters are always going to hate. But in, a, in, a, in another manner for me, I want to gain that respect that I have for myself. Whether it comes to myself realizing that I don't need to listen to other people, I got my own respect through what I've done or whether it's seeing it in my parents' eyes or whether it's seeing it through, oh, that's you and not 
oh, you're his son. I totally agree with you. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. Because, I mean, personally, me, I don't need a proof. And I've been giving, I mean, this, this, this stage where I'm not Generation Z, but I'm more like, I still remember the times where internet weren't existing. I mean, 90s was a great time to get be alive and, and, and... I completely... I mean, I still remember the Nokia 3310. Yes. Uh, the brick which wouldn't break and would break anything in its path. <laughs> I still remember that. And that's the funny thing because what we're looking into now is that even within Generation Z, we see two cohorts. So the ones that were born before the iPhone and the ones that were born after the iPhone. And that's what we think is very interesting. Because I feel that Generation Z is the bridge between Millennials and Alphas, which is the generation that's coming after us. And they're only born with iPhone. So they don't remember the time with Nokia 3310 or the memes for that count. I still remember the phone which you had to dial around. I have no idea how it works. And that's funny. But I have no idea how it works, but I still remember it in the house or in, the, in, in uh, Pakistan where at my grandparents' house. I remember that one. And the funny thing now you see is, and I think you're going to laugh about this, is that there was a survey put out in America where uh, they're changing the school uh, clocks in schools from analog to digital because students can't read the analog clocks. So the watch that we have right, right now, young teens aren't able to read that because they've grown up in a digital time. It's not a negative thing, thing but it, they've just grown up in a different time. I mean, is it sad? As a, as a person with a, in a ex, being an expert as in Generation Z, do you think that's, that's it's downgrading? I mean, but then wouldn't it also be downgrading newspapers because now we're reading them online or any other form of the things that we're having for Yes. I, I believe it's progress or it's just actually, I would just say it's technological development because progress means that it's something better than what it was before. That's not what it is. It's just a different time, a different era. It's technological development, which is leading for the younger generations understanding what is happening now and what is important now. If they have to also understand everything before them, are they actually going to get anything accomplished? Or is, because it's not a history lesson, it's about moving forward. That's true. That's what I believe. So, I mean, the media, or I would say news, what it was before is still what it is today. It's just on different media. What they read in the newspaper, if you look at a picture from in the bus, what they read in the newspaper, and look at a picture today, it's just people on a paper or an iPhone. Or iPad. Or iPad, right? Or laptop. Exactly. But then it's just the means that have changed in that sense. Yeah. Since you mentioned in the beginning about the phone, 3310, so mm. I wanted to ask you, at what age did you get your first phone? Oh, I was, I think I was 13. No, 14 when I got my phone. And I got the Nokia 3310. And I liked it, but then some of my friends had gotten the new Sony Ericsson flip phone. Or the one that, you know, goes from the side and the keyboard comes out. And I was amazed by it. Then I got the Sony Ericsson. It was like a silver one with very, very thin keys on it. I got that one. And then after that, I got my first iPhone 3 uh, from my big brother as a gift. But that, at that age, I was 7, 16, 16, 15, around there. I was in my ninth grade, I remember. And I was so happy that, oh my God, look, I got this phone. Couldn't wait to show it off in, in class. Mm -hmm. And that year, I also that was the first time I joined Facebook, I think. So I've grown up with all of those making Facebook, um, what is called mainstream, making iPhone mainstream. I bought the iPhone. What happens then? My parents buy the iPhone after a, a couple of uh, the iPhone generations. They're like, oh, look, dad, this is what it can do. Now my dad is sitting on Facebook and he's 13-year-old me learning Facebook. Look at this video. Look at this funny video. And uh, posting those 
weird, weird status updates, which I don't do anymore. But oh, I feel so sad today. Remember those those ones <laughs> we used to do that. Yes. And now we're not. You see the younger generation not posting anymore, and but posting rather on Instagram. And I think that's because our parents have come to Facebook. It was basically our private space, but now it's not that anymore. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an interesting time we live in. You mm -hmm. know, what a time to be alive. I agree. I agree. Very complicated, though. Yeah. Very complicated. Yes. Right. Uh, based on your LinkedIn profile, I could see that before Relevo, you have been doing something else. Yeah. And therefore, I wanted to ask you, have your previous experience gained? Have you used it in a current startup? Or is there some learnings you have taken from the previous experience mm -hmm. and brought into Relevo? To answer that question, I'm just going to look aside from the... Because I had one startup before, uh, which was IREC. Despite that one, because obviously I learned a lot of things from there that I can use here. But let's talk about when I was in the corporate world of MoneyGram as a sales and account manager. The funny thing is I landed that job because of an idea I had to how to make money, uh, financial services better by making them more digital. And that's how I landed the job. It was, there was no purpose of me getting a job, but they liked what I did there. But then I became a sales and account manager. I was okay good at it, I would say. I wasn't very bad. I wasn't very good either. But I learned very quickly there that I'm not the sales guy. So, and I'm the strategic guy. I like the, making the ideas, figuring out where the path is. So in that sense, yes. I learned a lot about how a corporation works, about how the different departments work. And the lack of uh, creative idea, ideation in these corporations. Many of them. They're getting better now, definitely, but there's a big lack of this. And I use that now in my daily. So I, I can see that what Ryan sometimes calls me is a corporate entrepreneur. Because I always, I always look at, okay, these are the budgets. This is how much money we have to spend. This is what we have to do, big, big things. You do this. This department has to do this. And I sometimes have to pull myself back a bit and say, listen, I'm this is still a startup. And stop thinking like a corporate entrepreneur, but as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I mean, sometimes we have to look back and, you know, think different because, I mean, what makes corporate company different from entrepreneur company mm -hmm. is that entrepreneurs, they are free-spirited people. They think exactly. differently. They come up with more innovative ideas. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like they just follow some kind of path. And those ideas are implemented also way faster yes. in a startup. And more effectively. And more effectively also. And that's yeah. one of the things which uh, corporations right now have a big challenge with. They're, they're wanting to solve that challenge because they want ideas. That's why they, they, when they hire Gen Zers, they're looking for p creative people now. Because they believe that these people will bring the culture into the environment. Look at what Google did. Nadella, he, I think it was in six years, he's turned the profit from three billion to over a thousand billion. I think, don't count on those numbers, but he changed the whole culture of the work environment over there. And effectivity has grown up. He's now made a four-day work week. And, eff and effectivity and productivity increased. I don't know how certain those numbers are or what criteria they're based on. But if we just look at the fact that it, if the productivity has increased, that's crazy. What does that tell us about the traditional way of working? Does it tell us that we're, we're giving too much space for people to... Uh, have enough time to work or if they were more uh, which gen z at least are uh, stress driven not even stress driven i would say more limited would they work more effectively because that's what we want in the end it's not about how many hours you work it's about how effective were you in those work hours so can we do that by having a nice work-life balance by giving them extra day off and then 
them still fin- finishing their tasks? I also heard something, but I heard from um, Microsoft. I think they also did the four-day working week. Yeah, and uh, I think it was Microsoft, not Google. Yeah, yeah, and their productivity increased uh, by seventy percent. There you go. And it's true. I and mean, Sweden has now done it to six-day, uh, six-hour work week or six-hour work day. Yeah, look at that. I mean, it's gone from. It's it's it's. Um, I totally agree because you know sometimes I speak to people who are actually in corporate you know, business environment, not mm-hmm. in this entrepreneurial environment. And they um, they don't like Mondays, they don't like Thursdays, and they're waiting for Saturday, Sunday. So it's like, but, which day do you like then? Tuesdays and But exactly, what kind of, but what kind of life is that? Yeah. You know, like... Why you work in a place where you don't like to work? Exactly. Just go. I mean, like you, who also, you also for Gary Vee says, why would you waste like 66% of your life yes. doing something you don't do? Because that is 66%. When I come to work on Monday, the only reason I give myself off on the weekend is so I'm fresh for Monday. And what the weekend does for me, it gets me motivated for Monday. That on Mondays, I literally feel I can't wait to get back to work. I can't wait to finish these tasks. I can't wait to see the growth next week has. Yes. And Friday it, for me is like, I take it as a, if I've done good, if I'm proud of myself that the tasks I've done and I've worked hard and some goals have been achieved, Fridays, you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to re- reward myself with that. And how is that? I'm going to spend some time with my friends or my family mm-hmm. uh, for that matter because that's me rewarding myself. Sometimes I could be like, okay, you know what, Sunday, I just need to be dead in my bed, Netflix, that's it. And I know that there's this whole like entrepreneurial myth with saying that you have to work 24-7. And that's true for many people, but you can still do that. Or you can still work effectively without working 24-7. I work 24-7 also in my head because I'm always thinking about the company. But you need to give yourself time. You need to be able to get yourself back because we are human beings. I've told my partner this many times. I've literally enforced him that you have to take Sunday off. If I ever find out that you're working on a Sunday, I'm going to call your mom. I'm going to call your mom because that's how our culture works. And I know she will get him in place. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> because he's, if he starts having blackouts or is not working as effectively, how well can I use him as a partner? If we look at it as a business or as a, as a colleague of mine, how well can I, can I use him Monday to Friday? If he's not working effectively, then I'd rather have him take that one day off to work 10 times better those five days. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of interesting points there. <laughs> Very interesting points. But now I like to talk about more about Relevo because mm-hmm. uh, I, I told kind of what the company does in the beginning, but I didn't mention straightforward. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, what is that Relevo actually does? So relevo, the word in itself means uh, the the baton you pass on in a in a race. So you've probably seen those 500 meter races where there's one runner who goes the first 100 meters and the second runner the second. Relevo is the last baton you pass on to reach the goal. And um, what relevo does is that we advise organizations, companies, and institutions on understanding the youth. The reason we do this is because in the past many years there's been a rise in campaigns or initiatives made from these companies which just don't give the right message. And if you think about the way it's done, it is people from the previous generations trying to understand our generation. And what I don't understand there is that if we take, take that process into something completely different, let's say a doctor's appointment. You're hurting, you go to the doctor, you ask him, what's wrong with me? 
why aren't why isn't that happening when targeting the youth why don't you just directly ask them ask the youth what inspires you what messages are you driven by what do you want us to do better and that's where we come in now so we are uh, generation z ourselves uh, everyone working in the company is generation z and uh, who better to understand the generation than us we've grown up with it we're the ones who forged it you can kind of say other other day i was um hanging out with some of my colleagues and then there was a a sister of my colleague she said that there is a huge difference between educated and motivated generation z person and a person who just knows phone and laptop youtube video games you yeah know? yes of course you, you've been giving all these resources you've been given internet you can be in phones and laptops and ipads and whatever else artificial intelligence now is coming right mm -hmm. but it's just you have to use it you have exactly. to understand how to use it you have to overcome your fears you have to face your vulnerability and and just you know go and do it I exactly mean. no i completely agree i mean our generation has grown up a lot digitally savvy so we know a lot about the phone we know about how facebook marketing works it's basically in our backbone because we've grown up with it but actually using it is a completely different story so even though you're Gen Z, doesn't mean you're the best person to be able to use just because you're Gen Z. It's skills that you have and that you need to adhere and kind of, um, you can say, polish a bit and make them better. Because it is, there's a big lack of this. Uh, and obviously, the most companies, when they're looking for social media strategists, they look for young people because they've grown up with that area. But that's also the same as other areas where if you're looking in the other areas, there's something that they were grown up with that was standard for them. And... You look for those because it was sat so much in their backbone. Then you look for those people, but you have to look for people who are that have then taken that skill and amplified it. What's your opinion on instant gratification? Because you know, uh, one t one time I wrote an article, and it's also on my LinkedIn profile about instant gratification. Mm -hmm. That you know, Generation Z is feedback seeking. Feedback seeking. They they need getting. Straight away, a reward after doing something, and 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 I grew up where I had to work my ass off to get something, mm -hmm. and then I really deserved the reward. Now it's just every smallest thing; mm -hmm. it has to be rewarded. What's would, your opinion on that? I would like to disagree with that because I don't Please. think it's. I think the word, the term "reward" is wrong. I think they want feedback, so they want instant feedback, not instant reward. Obviously, if they've done something well, they want the, the happy feedback and if it has a reward with it. But I feel Generation Z is more that they want to be known. Are they doing something right or wrong rather than wasting a bunch of hours uh, on doing something wrong? So the instant feedback is to make sure you can say kind of on their insecurity on um, are they doing a good job? And if they are doing a good job, how can they do it even better? Or if they're doing a bad job, how can, how can they fix their errors? So I would say that it's about instant feedback, which I think is very relevant i see my colleagues many times even though i don't like they come to me and ask is this good enough and i'm like uh, to be completely honest i don't know if it's good enough but that's why i hired you because you're amazing with branding and i trust you to make sure that it's good enough interesting mm -hmm. it's just you know now it's two generations sitting in yeah. front of each other <laughs> right and we are just like i'm saying what i know and you say but that's what what's you, so interesting right that's kind of we're sharing and then what's gonna be afterwards i don't know mm -hmm. you know what our kids gonna grow up with it's gonna be oh, you, oh trust of me. amazing it's it, it's getting crazier and crazier for us out there for the others it's just normal i i'm my sister told me about uh 
I, I, I was for some reason, um, she was on her phone and she w- uh, went into a profile because on Instagram you can have multiple. And I saw that she had two and I was like, wait, why do you have two? She's like, oh, that's just my Finsta. I'm like, okay, so you're fake Instagram, but why do you have it? I learned that term, a Finsta. And she's like, oh, that's for me to look at other people's stories without them knowing that I'm looking at their stories. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Is like, why would you do that? Because I don't want them to know that I looked at their stories. So you're stalking them. You're creeping on them. She's like, no, it's just normal. Everybody has it. Wow. And I was just thinking, okay, this is just getting more complex and more complex. It truly is. Mm. I mean, I already know the answer on the next question, but, you know, I'm still going to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you're Generation Z, and then probably that have been, have a, a big impact why you started Revelo. Mm-hmm. But uh, why Generation Z? Why did you especially focus on, on that? We took, um, before we, what we were doing was, uh, we were digital marketing bureau, and we were, we were quite good at it. But I didn't see any difference between us and a thousand others out there. And I looked at what is that one trait that I can see without, within all of us that we have that no one else has. And that's where I saw that we're all young. After researching and learning more about this, I found out that we're what, we're, what is called Generation Z. And that's where we start to dig more into this. And that's where it, it, it came into life for us that who better to tell about Generation Z than us? Because we are the generation ourselves. When we looked at many articles published and uh, a lot of the research that was done, we looked into, okay, this is what this means, but why does that mean? And we understood that why without being, having PhD degrees in uh, cultural anthropology or anything like that. We understood that why because we were part of the generation. And that's why we chose to be authentic in what we deliver. Even in the future, when we plan to be, when we're planning to be generation consultants and uh, planning to include Generation Alpha, it's not going to be me that you're going to be meeting with. I might know about Alpha, but who better to tell you about Generation Alpha than a consultant who is a Generation Alpha? How old is the startup? I haven't asked you that. Yeah, uh, the startup is technically uh, it started in 2016, so it's three years old. But we started with our niche on Generation Z about actually this year. So it's eight, nine months old. And uh, I know that a big question is how can we go from being an idea to already have uh, look, uh, being looking for customers and having the product and service. And we thought a lot about this. I believe that all the experience we've had previous, the rejections, the no's, the letdowns, the understanding our niche, previous startup that I have had, has been, has, that experience has helped us to basically accelerate the journey that we've, we have now here. And that's the reason why we could go from idea to already being able to deliver products and having customers now. So um, in what stage are you then? We're in growth stage, actually. So we're looking into establishing a great foundation in the next year in Denmark. And after that year, we're going international. So by the end of 2020, we're planning on um, making the plans and getting the investment ready to go international. At the moment, we believe we can grow organically for the establishing our market in Denmark. But yeah, after that, it's international. That's also one of my dreams. Aren't you already international because you're online? You could say, yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, yeah, exactly. We are to a certain degree international, but um, I would say that the one parameter that uh, basically holds us back is the fact that we believe, even though we're experts, we believe of, on getting the voices of the whole generation heard. So we have a crew in Denmark called Gen Z crew, and these are students and Gen Zers from all over Denmark who pitch their opinions, feedback, and, and ideas. Because one of the things that we always say is that this generation is so complex that it cannot be generalized. 
So we've created this crew to help us and help the companies better understand them because what we're telling the companies is listen to generations, the, the youth himself. So we have to basically do the same. And in order to go international, we want to build these communities all around the world. We want to have a community in England. We want to have a community in France, in Germany, in Sweden. And these people will then tell us about what it's called, the, how the youth of that country works, because culturally it is different. The youth of Denmark is a lot different than the youth in India. And there's other cultural barriers and uh, other things of growing up in another ecosystem or in another environment. So we're really preaching the fact that it should be the youth themselves that are speaking. And I mean, yes, there's a lot of similarities between the Danish and the Swedish, but there's not a lot of similarities between the Danish Gen Zs and the Indian Gen Zs. So that's where I would say we're not completely international yet. So by end of 2020, we're planning on creating these communities in the other countries and thereby going international. Okay. Good luck with that. Thank you so much. I mean, very I, nervous about it. <laughs> yes. I mean, I already would think that you are international. If, mm-hmm. Do you upload some things on YouTube, like uh, tutorials, yeah. learnings? So what we, we do content videos and okay. basically it's, it's, we want to keep them as authentic as possible. So we like doing what we think our fellow Gen Zers would like as well. So we post a lot of uh, basically what we're doing right now, millennial years Gen Z. We do the same with uh, in our videos often where we show some facts and we ask which generation is related to. We have a lot of upcoming themes uh, which we're planning on to work with next week. One of them is expert vs. expert. So that's just another one where it's me or someone else from my team against each other. Because even we, there's some things we don't know even. And uh, we're always growing and we want to own that. Just because it's not an expert doesn't mean you know everything about everything. An expert means you know more about this than any others. And you're growing your knowledge base on that. Seems like you're super engaging with everything. (laughs) A lot of things. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. I mean, if you want to get noticed in this yeah. massive amount of content. Yeah. You have to post a lot of content as, you know, my favorite person, Gary Vee. Of course, the guru. The guru himself. himself. <laughs> yes. He says himself. I mean, that's how you're going to get noticed. I think there's something with 1 billion websites now in the world. So how do you expect people to find yours in that? It's finding yes. a needle in a haystack. Yes. Since we've been already talking about, you know, the positive sides of Relevo, I want to hear about the negative sides, as mm-hmm. you know, the, the obstacles. Everybody got them, so I you must have them, so bring it on. I would like to go a uh, trip down memory, memory lane with that. So um, the first obstacle we ever had was that nobody understood what we did. We had this long 10-sentence pitch, which was that something in the lines of that we are entrepreneurial-minded generation Z business developers, uh, specialized within business, branding, marketing, and whatever. And it just kept on going. We're the most authentic to deliver our services, blah, 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 blah. No one understood, not a single person understood what we were doing there. And we were going out and trying to do sales. There we learned our biggest obstacle was communication, getting the word across. Now, from the, the crazy pitch we had there, we say, we advise companies on understanding the youth. Simple, straightforward, everyone gets it. So communication was a big obstacle. It still is. We believe, we think that's one thing that's always going to be there until it becomes a standard because this is not typical management consulting. Normally you see consulting within branding or IT or strategy, but this is youth consulting. This is completely different. Uh, So we're still having that one obstacle. The second obstacle which we have is because we're youth, we're undermined. 
even though we uh, are the most authentic to deliver our services, but because we don't have the typical norm of 30 years of experience in management consulting or 10 years, a lot of people are skeptical about how well we can deliver our services. And um, on that point, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say the results will speak for themselves because I do believe that there's a higher percentage of us succeeding when it is about the youth than any others. It's not because we go out and make the actual video campaigns, but we make sure that the message is right. So video production, we don't know anything about that, but we do know about what the message should be to the youth. So we've really made sure to center ourselves in a very, very small niche to make sure that we're the best to deliver our services. Another obstacle, because of being undermined in that, we were also undermined as a startup. So, you know, startups, they're not always know what the best is. So how, and we didn't have any references. We, didn't, we hadn't worked with any customer cases before. So what, do, what we did for that was, instead of thinking about it that, oh, we need to get a lot of sales, what are the other creative ways where we can get some references? And we got one of our articles published in person. Person accepting our article and seeing that this has some value brings a certain degree of value to us and uh, credibility to us. And now we're speaking with clients. So we started to offer a lot of free cases because we believed in what we did. And um, in those free cases, we delivered some results which they were happy about. And now we're going out. So it's not because you can get the first sales, especially in, in the industry that we're in right now, just because you're new, you're the front runners, you're doing something no one else is. And um, that's not always the case. You still need to go through that journey. There's with uh, giving something away for free. Like, again, our guru always says, uh, giving something away for free and uh, just giving, 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 expecting nothing in return, and then it will get back to you. That's why all of our social media strategies is always about giving away free content. The advice that we give in our advisory boards, obviously it's next level but we always give out info, info, info. You know, the downside is that people don't take it. Exactly. You know, you give knowledge, you give knowledge. Like, like for example, taking into consideration me and then taking all this, it's free marketing. I don't ask nothing. Mm -hmm. Instead of I just ask, thank you, and that's it. I mean, thank you sometimes means, as I mentioned, more than a thousand words. Yeah. And then the other issue is that people don't understand the power in words. Mm. And they're like, why should I share my story, maybe you're gonna steal it. I mean, come Listen, on. Yeah, that one I've heard a lot, right? Yes. Because maybe you're gonna steal it. Listen, I mean, the idea is 10%, 90% yes. is execution. Yes. How Nokia was the first runner on uh, the, the, the smart screen. Did they get the market? No, no. Apple got it. It's just how you execute it, it's right? About, it's about execution. I mean, the idea isn't always the best thing because other people, yeah, people can steal it, but trust me, no management consulting right now is looking at us like, oh, we need to open this department. None of them, none of them are doing that. Like we also addressed previously in, uh, in our talk, it's about co-opting. So how can we use these people to offer better services to our clients? They focus on their best, what they're best at, and then they partnership. So this whole idea with not sharing your idea just because um, someone's going to steal it, I think it's bogus. I don't believe in it because if they wanted to steal your idea, fine, but then you should be better ex executing it. You can easily have a, somebody doing the exact same, but if you're better executing, you're going to win. And uh, another point to that is also, um, so yeah, basically the execution. And uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't believe in that uh, notion that, and yeah, the final part, if you don't share your brand story, that was what I was thinking about. One of the main traits with Generation Z, if those are your customers, is the fact that they want something relatable. They want, to, want it to be authentic. They want it to be of pure heart or whatever, but they want it to be relatable. 
brands are struggling nowadays to make their brand be relatable. Why do you think so many brands are going into sustainability? That it needs to be towards a cause which the youth feel is important. That's why there's so many startups coming nowadays to making brands more sustainable and making the world into a better place. Obviously, they also, many companies on, on their own also want to have less CO2 emission from their services. But it's about making the story also relatable. And if you're not willing to share your story, nobody's going to give a damn. That's true. You know, the other day I was uh, listening to TED Talk. I mean, I, I, I always wanted to go to TED Talk, but I have I to get up the, yeah. the game on talking. <laughs> They're amazing. And then there was, there was one speaker talking about actually Gen Z. Mm -hmm. And what the speaker said, that some of the characteristics of Gen Z are that they are impatient, apathetic, distracted, and entitled. He more put it in that way that, you know, we, the previous generations, we have fucked up the nature. We mm -hmm. have to find up, fucked up the environment. And now the generation Z has to live in this one and they have to solve all our mistakes being done before. So I want to ask your opinion on all these four characteristics. Let's go through them uh, one by one. So what was the first one? Impatient. Impatient. I would say on impatience, it is... If you think about where they're coming from and wh where they're getting this characteristic, they're growing up in a world with mass information overload. So I wouldn't say impatient. I would say that they've learned to filter what information is important right now. And in that sense, that has also become one of their characteristics because when you're constantly on Facebook, like how much info do you get on a day just through Facebook and then also being outside? So you learn on your own to filter what is important and what isn't right now. And in that sense... Yes, you could call them impatient, but I would just call them masters at uh, filtering, getting the right things out of information. What was the second one? Apathetic. On that one, I, uh, I, I would say to a certain degree, yes. E empathetic, right? I mean, if you expect, again, I think it goes back to the mass information. No, that one I would say is because of globalization. Generation Z compares themselves to others. I compare myself for example, what I, what, what I did when I was 16 and seeing that girl, 10-year-old, it could have been my sister. That was how old my sister was. And they compare themselves to how much better off they are than other people. Any entrepreneur, and I mean it really, any entrepreneur, I'm going to say this about myself even, I'm I have had a, a much easier start than a lot of people. I have parents who support me. Denmark is a great so uh, society for creating a startup. And uh, we have great, uh, a great welfare system for that. So I'm much better off. I had an amazing start than many entrepreneurs. So in that sense, if you look at how other people are compared to you, we always compare to that. that and that makes generations that more empathetic also because of globalization, because there's countries out there right now who are not doing that well. And, if, and because we're that open to it, if you look at a 16-year-old from Africa and you look at a 16-year-old from Denmark, you're going to compare yourself to them. You should be thankful about that you were given the possibility to uh, grow up in a system which was better. But then what are you going to do with that benefit? Are you going to try to make it better for those who haven't? What was the third one? That, was, that, that got very emotional. But yeah, what was the third one? Distracted. Distracted. Um, I mean, you can relate this one back to the mass media and, you know, this overload of content. Mm -hmm. I would say that they're multitaskers on that point. Distracted, yes, uh, I think that's put on the notion that we're always on our phones. I think that's where that notion comes from, that we're always distracted. But what are we doing on our phones? My workers, or it's not our workers, colleagues, they often sit on their phone. Why? The guy in charge of marketing, 
he goes to Facebook on his phone. He doesn't go to Facebook on his laptop. So he's sitting there doing still work. So it's about really understanding the why behind it. Are they still doing work? Are they maybe, because Facebook is for marketing, research. Look at what the competitors are doing. What are they posting? That's research. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I would, I would say multitaskers rather than dis- dis- distracted. You often see Gen Z watching Netflix, being on the phone at the same time, and maybe, I don't know, speaking with their mom who's right next to them. And still consuming quality content. Exactly. And, and the, the last, last one, one is entitled. Going back to that TED Talk, how can you put empathetic and entitled in the same? That's the thing. That's where, that's where, I'm, where I'm getting confused because entitled would mean that they have a silver spoon up their ass. Right? I mean, that's what we mean with it. I, wouldn't, I would say that, and yeah, obviously, what would you expect when we're growing? We, we've grown up in a world which is much better off than it was in 1950. A world that we're growing up with, at least most of the population is growing up. So we're not entitled. We're living around our environments. But even when we're growing up in this world, this whole thing with climate change, that's the major enemy right now, right? So we're still working our ass off. And many people are much, many people better than me and are doing a lot more than me, are working to make the world a better place. So even entitled, I would say, is it's an effect of the, the, the environment that they've grown up in, and they're trying to make the best out of their environment. Youth is now starting to realize that they, a lot of them know better and that age is just a number. If you can say that age is just a number for the older people who say that, oh, you're 60, you can still do a lot of things. Then age is also a number for the youth people, even though they don't have that same wisdom. As the elders. So do you think do you do you think that you know we have to say sorry? I mean the older generations we have to say sorry for fucking up the environment and you know. No, I don't think I don't think that I don't I don't. I... So do you but, think that the current uh, environment and everything that we are growing up is 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 getting better as it was like say ten years ago? With the environment that we've grown up in. Now. Yes. Currently. Ecosystem. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sustainability wise, no, we're not we're not better. We need to get better. There's a lot more awareness for that. But uh, going back to the thing with the older generation say sorry, I don't think that they, should, they need to say sorry because let's look at Okay, they say sorry, what's going to happen? I mean, nothing. Exactly. So what the hell does sorry mean? I mean, one thing is saying sorry, another thing is putting actions. Action speaks more than words, right? That's true. I totally agree with you on this one, 100%. So do you think that Generation Z is the future? Obviously. I mean, we're the ones who are going to be taking over the major positions. What about Alpha? Ooh, that's interesting. You see, now that's very interesting. I think what's going to be very, very interesting in the next coming years is the, I'll call it teamwork, between the Alphas and the Generation Zs. Because Generation Zs are going to start, obviously, taking over the manager positions and uh, high up in the hierarchy in that. How is that going to play with Alpha? And how more effective or... What is the world even going to be like in that point? Or, like you said, artificial intelligence. And there's three different forms of artificial, or not even artificial, for virtual reality now. How much of that is going to play? This is movie things that are coming in. How much of Iron Man screens are we going to have in our workday? That's going to change a lot. And alphas are going to be the ones that are going to be best at doing that. And now Apple is also making arg- argumented reality glasses. There we go. Google also made the glasses with uh, the... Um, so, yeah, augmented reality. Yes. Wasn't that the Google? Yeah. Not only that, but there was also Google made a, an artificial intelligence software where the customer service was through, an, through a robot, and it was very, very specific. Like the robot, you could not, you could not tell the difference. That's where the world is going into. I personally believe I'm gonna have a big, big challenge with 
understanding how that works. Uh, even though I'm a Gen Z, I'm gonna be like the the what's called the millennial of the of that generation. So I'm gonna have a difficult, and alphas are gonna have to explain it to me. Where alphas are gonna have it on their backbone, and the generation after that is just gonna be amazing at it or whatever. So technological development is something that goes throughout generations. The next generation that comes up, obviously, if they've grown up with it, they're gonna be better at it than others are, and that just keeps on going as long as that process is equals progress in the right way. If you see a lot now, what is called a lot of the, for example, the clean the ocean, the 16-year-old who made the, it was like a ring he made or the balls he made to soak up plastic. I don't know how it was exactly it works, but that was a 16-year-old who made that. Why did he make that? Because he understands the technology of today's time. So I think as long as it leads to progress, as long as the end result is progress, it's good. And I can already tell you that artificial intelligence for me even right now is hard to understand. It's a little easier, but it's hard. I can imagine what it is for the other generations. And I think for the younger generations, it's going to be easier to understand. It's just going to be something that's there. They're going to grow up in a world where there's uh, AI bots for everything. I mean, that's where the technology is going. Exactly. It's scaring me sometimes, but... Oh, but... oh yeah. Because you also start thinking about, okay, where do I fit in that picture? Yes. <laughs> because I grew up with floppy disks, cassettes. Yeah. The VCR. VCRs. Oh, my God. I remember having the the Walkman in my back pocket, yes. and it was like this big thing, just yeah. having my pocket, just and the CD inside, just to listen to music. Yeah, and uh, yeah, all of that. That was yeah fun times. And and, and we if we had TVs now, our phones are TVs, and the TVs we have is radio. Exactly. I don't, for example, at home we have a TV, but I barely use it. I sit on my laptop, watch Netflix. Right. That's just how it's working. That's how this works. Yeah. So since we are talking about Gen Z and you yourself, you are from Gen Z. In your opinion, what is the most trending occupation that Gen Z is currently covering? Is it influencers? Because that started with Gen Z. The word influencer started with Generation Z. I agree. Um, or the, what the word means, they started with Gen Z, definitely. But uh, yeah. I, think, I would say, the, uh, I, I don't know the answer for that, but I think it's either somewhere aligned the social media strategists or specialists and influencers. I would say it's something in between those because that's something that our generation brought forth. Obviously, Mark Zuckerberg brought Facebook, but the ones that are marketing them for other companies are primarily either millennial or youth, complete youth. And uh, that's what's interesting. So I think the occupations will be that. And I think another one, a couple of the ones that are going to come forth are people's officer, which I've seen many companies doing now. So making sure that the culture is right. And another one will be a sustainability officer. I think that's some of the positions that are kind of come forth, which are, will primarily be Gen Z that are going to be occupying. So sustainability officer, social media manager, and what did you say? Influencers, Influencers and uh, what is called people's officer. I think I, I, I saw a company today which had a chief people's officer, and I thought that was amazing. And I thought that, you know what, we need to have that too. Making sure that everybody at work feels like coming to work and being motivated by that. Very interesting point. Mm -hmm. It's just like looking back into the future. Yeah. Or, no. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> but I, I have also one question by listener because, you know, the show also got some listeners. Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. One of the listeners asked the question that he wanted and he personally is from the generation that I am at. Mm -hmm. What is the point of dividing people into generations X, Y, Z? To better understand them. We divide everything into categories to better understand them. 
business is just a business, but why do we have branding, marketing, strategy, IT, all of this? It's to better understand and categorize because our brain can only fill that much. So we categorize to make it simpler. X, Y, Z, it's very interesting because I was, if you think about it, somebody born in 1990 grew up in that ecosystem and therefore has some characteristics depending on whether they were 10 or zero years old. If they were zero to 10, you often say that they're learning. In 10 to 30, you say that they're adapting. And from 30 plus, you say that they're finding themselves now. So if they're from 10 to 30, learning to adapt in a, during the 9-11 financial crises, what characteristics would that make if you think about it? And growing up with the first black president ever of the USA, growing up with iPhone, all of this happened due to events that happened in the world and they were between 10 and 30 adapting to that. So that's what they learned. So what does that mean? That makes them more digital savvy because they grew up the first iPhone. That makes them more diverse because they saw the first black American president. Globalized also and makes them more diverse. Financial crisis makes them more um, price con conscious. So all of these things happen due to the era that you're growing up in. And that's why we classify them in the different generations because different generations have different characteristics due to the events that happen or the environment that they lived in. I think I have a very important point on this. Mm -hmm. I mean, to add on it that I also found on MC, MC Kinsey and Company. Yeah, McKinsey, yeah. There was an article, True Gen, Generation Z and its implications for companies. I highlighted one thing that seemed interesting. And since I do have a, a way of asking, you know, and I could ask straight away the person who is actually Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> what they write that our studies based on surveys reveals four core Gen Z behaviors, mm -hmm. all anchored in one element. This generation searches for truth. Mm -hmm. Generation Zers value individual expressions and avoid labels. Mm -hmm. They mobilize themselves for a variety of causes. They believe that profoundly in the efficiency of dialogue to solve conflicts and improve the world. Mm -hmm. Finally, they make decisions and relate it to institutions in highly analytical and programmatic way. What's your take on it? I agree with it. So, so basically, Generation Z is searching for the truth. Yeah, I agree on it. And that's where we come in and say truth can be put in many ways. That's why Generation Z wants things to be authentic. If you ask any or many, most young people right now, obviously, Tesla is creating these uh, cars that are free of CO2 emission. But how are they creating that? A lot of them say it's on child labor. Or H&M is uh, making clothes that are cheaper or better. But that's also on child labor. So Gen Z is always looking for the truth. And uh, if you're not completely true the whole way, then you're gonna get destroyed by this generation. You will get destroyed by this generation. So either you own it or you don't. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, like we could talk about generation differences for <laughs> a while. It's my daily work. So. Yes, and it's your daily work and I could just listen and listen and listen. But I'm you glad know, to hear that. At some point, we also have to end up this conversation and therefore since we are moving in the last parts before moving into i would like to kind of recap what we've been speaking about yeah. some of the takeaways that i felt like it's important so today we had uh, the founder of relevo jahanzeeb ahmed born in pakistan no born in denmark sorry born in denmark born and raised in denmark born and raised in denmark ethnically from pakistan pa ethnically from pakistan <laughs> 20 Four years old, yeah. entrepreneur, the first phone, 3310 Nokia, in age of 14. One of the life goals, make 
a world a better place. I didn't still ask what is it, but I mm -hmm. guess that you are on the right mission. I can actually add to that. The, Please. For, my, for me, it is to make the world a better place. I believe in education. And I know that's a very a characteristic in our generation where it says that education is not always the right path, but I do believe in knowledge can solve a lot of the issues. Some of the things that Jahan Zeeb said was that trust is important in team, to rely on your team members and that you're able to also sleep at nights and don't think about it. But you know, it's hard when you're a founder to not think about it exactly. because that's our daily routine. 24 7 365 days per year we just have to think about our startups another thing that have helped you as i understood was not to follow competitors and we agreed that there is a some certain competition but at some point we learn from each other along the way mm -hmm. so what does releva does so basically they advise advise companies nonprofits, and organizations to understand the youth Generation Z is the generation that born in the age of technology, tech savvy, and they are considered as the well-educated. Some of the obstacles that you have faced during your uh, entrepreneurial journey, I would say, was uh, no one understood in the beginning what do you are doing right here. They are undermining you and being skeptical on the idea as you are a Generation Z and what you can learn if there is a person sitting in front of you with 30 years experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then undermine the startup because you know, if there's a startup and if there is a company that has a huge experience, I mean, of course they're gonna pick a company, but you know, I think that all this is changing and now mm -hmm. they are putting more efforts into startups. Yeah. And uh, now I would like to basically ask you, since you know you, as you mentioned, You've been an entrepreneur for a while. Mm -hmm. What is the key takeaways that you could basically suggest other entrepreneurs or some key activities to help them along the way that have helped you? One of them is definitely find, it doesn't have to be a partner in the company, but find somebody who you can spar with. Somebody who you can always look to, to give you the answers that you need. That's important. Find a person, whether it's a friend, parent, or a business mentor who you can always talk to about the struggles that you're having because being an entrepreneur has a massive psychological effect on yourself. It is hard. And I'm, I'm sorry to be so blunt. It's fucking hard to be an entrepreneur. Going daily, working so many hours, putting effort into it with all the insecurities that you have. Will this work? Will it get paid? Will, it this, uh, will the customers like it? What if this happens? What if that happens? Find somebody who you can share that with. That's very important. I've had stages in, in my entrepreneurial life where and I'm going to be straight up and say, I, I've, I've broken down, literally broken down, cried in front of my parents or cried in, uh, to my sisters, my friends, and they've helped me pull myself up. They've given me the motivation. They've supported me to say, listen, you're doing what you love. Do it. Do it. It's going to work out. And you, that's just sometimes what you need to hear. You don't want them to find the problem to your product A not working properly. You want them to be the support and motivation. So that's one thing I highly, highly recommend. Second thing is, I know a lot of people say that you can't find the time for friends and family and all of this. Make sure to find the time for them because they help you stay happy. They give you the right elements to motivate you. My friends know everything that's going on in the business right now and they support me full on. They like everything I post. They, uh, when we're out, they pay for things because they know I'm in a hard time right now. I mean, they give you that support. Align yourself. Another thing which our guru says, make sure you're with people who want to make you be a better you make sure you're with that and i believe that my ecosystem does that or my my surroundings 
they uh, with my friends do that. So I would say those were the two key intakes for me. And another thing which I would say from a business perspective would be, and not so much for the entrepreneur, more for the business would be, stop thinking about that everything needs to be perfect. Just go and do it. I mean, don't think that you need to have an amazing website, you need to have an amazing team, all the things. Just keep pushing forward. Websites are changed. Ours has been changed 20 times so far. And we always thought that, okay, we need to have the perfect website. So the customer who goes in there, uh, what is called, understands. No, even what is called before our talk today, there's still communication on the website, which isn't right, which isn't updated. It keeps on changing. So don't run after the perfect. Need to have and nice to have. What is it that you need to have right now? What is it that's nice to have? Yeah, hmm? totally agree. I know I just was thinking about something and I <laughs> just flew out of my mind. I'm sorry for that. No, that's fine. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, never stop, you know, improving and, and, and it is hard. Entrepreneurship is hard. But as I have mentioned a thousand times already, I guess, mm -hmm. what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I how I say to myself, the person I am right now is Elvis 2.0. Thank you. I agree. So, I completely agree. So, so it's, it's, it's just getting improving and, and, and. And it happens from day to day. You just wake up one day and you realize you are in a deep shit and you want to do something with your life. Yeah, and I know. And I completely agree. And what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, fine. Your startup yes. doesn't work out. But what about all the skills that you mm -hmm. gained throughout mm -hmm. that time? Mm -hmm. It changes you. Like yeah. Elvis 2.0 would easily land a job at any corporation right now. Jazzy 2.0 would also easily land a job at any place right now mm -hmm. because we, the skills we've grown. Yes, that's true. So there's always a good outcome. It is. It truly is. Right now, what's left to do for you is to share your social links because, you know, I guess people will definitely like to and I recommend all the Generation Z to tag in this episode Thank and you. listen to it. So tell me how I can find you or the followers or the listeners can find you and Relevo. Well, we are Gen Z, so we're on mostly all social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube and TikTok. Very important. TikTok, TikTok. Very important. That's the future. So uh, we don't have many followers there, but mm. what it's called, we're on all social medias. Also, anyone has any questions or anyone disagrees with what I say, I'm always uh, willing to have a little discussion about it and they can always hit me up anywhere. And my mail is online. My phone number is also online. So they're pretty open for yeah. discussions. It's good. It's good. It's important. I, I, I believe in controlled chaos. So I believe in that oh, you should see some of the discussions me and my partner has. It goes crazy. Arguments, but what the outcome of it is beautiful. I mean, that's important. Mm -hmm. I will thank you. But before I'm going to say goodbye to you and to listeners, I want to ask you one more thing that I do after every episode. Yeah. How was your experience here? I loved it. Uh, I think we drew up on some very interesting points, which I hadn't myself seen yet. Some of the questions you asked me about my personal uh, made me realize, okay, everything that's happened so far has happened for a reason. Whatever I've gone through, not because I've gone through something like hell or anything like that, but everything I've learned has led me to become Jazzy 2.0. So that was amazing. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for having me. Always welcome, you know. I, I feed on people's experiences and knowledge and stories. That's because I don't have my own story, so I feed on different people's stories. But I'll say goodbye to you and I'll say goodbye to the listeners. And uh, what do you have to say to the listeners? Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I hope you get in at least 
kind of inspired by uh, some of the things I said. Obviously, many of the things I said and Elvis said are from people who we've learned it from. For example, Gary Vee. So follow those people as well. And uh, if you're an entrepreneur out there, just grind. Just grind, dude. There's some good outcomes out of it either way. It is all about working through it every day. After every storm, there's a rainbow. Thank you. And you cannot appreciate the winds if you've not been in deep shit. Thank you. And goodbye for today. Thank you. Bye-bye.